Hi everyone, it's Florence Brummer. Welcome to another week of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. This week I'm going to talk about your busy, most horrible week and how to get through it. I'm an attorney, a mother, a wife, a lover of fashion, movies, popular culture, great TV shows, and I talk about time management tips for attorneys and other people in business, as well as give some tips about what I've been reading or a movie I saw, something that can help people on their downtime when they have it um, to enjoy the most out out of their life. So again, my first segment is talking about your busy, most terrible days and how to get through them. In the past, I've talked about my perfect weekend, vacation hacks. Now I want to talk about how to handle the worst days ever. In past podcasts, I've talked about how I work really hard on mindfully scheduling. But what happens when I can't do that? This summer has been stinking busy. I complain, but thankfully, it means that my marketing program has been working out great. And it means that I'm getting lots of clients and current clients are having me do more work for them and I'm just busy with cases. But this can lead to days where I have 10 office meetings in a day or there was a day about a month ago where I had four court hearings. So what can be done in these situations? It's really easy for me to say, I'm too busy to work out. I don't have time to eat a healthy breakfast. I can't return a call. I can't return an email. I can't open my mail. I'll have these excuses for why I can't do what's important because I just don't have time. And with only 24 hours in a day and hundreds of emails to answer and dozens of phone calls and also having a personal life, it's no surprise we feel like we can't accomplish it at all. So I'm going to talk about days when I have back-to-back meetings or court hearings And I'm going to talk about how I get through those days. I have different type of of days. So I do have my court days. And then I also have my meeting days. So when I have meetings, I'm in the office. When I have court, I'm out of the office. And I can have combo days as well. These tips, I think, work for both types of days. If I have a really, really, really busy, terrible day, I'm going to make sure that I get up really early. 5 a.m. is about my limit on earliness. I've literally have set alarms for 3 and 4. It's too early. It's too dark. I do feel like I rise with the sun. And um, for about six months out of the year in Arizona maybe more like three or four months out of the year. At 5 a.m., you're going to have some light. You're going to have some sunlight. Um, During the winter, it's still inky black at 5 a.m., but you're going to start getting some uh, light in the next hour or two. So it's not too bad. It's not like if you get up at 4 and then three hours later, the sun's coming up. There's no way around it. You have to get up early. And the purpose is to try to not rush out the door. Um, there are days if I have a really early court hearing, like an 8 a.m., I might need to be in my car at 6 or 6.30, but hopefully not. And, and those are really the rare occasions. So the getting up early is for me. 
One is to take a really long shower and just relax in the shower, kind of think about my day. Um, And I also just take long, deep breaths and just get that steam in. Another part of those early mornings is just being as organized as possible. I have my bags packed. So I have my purse with my phone in it. Hopefully my phone's in it. There's been a lot of times that I walk out the door and realize I don't have a phone. I have a very easy way for um, me to find out quickly that I don't have a phone. My watch um, will have a, my iWatch will have, the Apple Watch will have a little, uh, it's like a little mark on it that says my phone's not nearby. I still have uh, Series 1, so it needs to be connected to my phone. Also, I listen to podcasts that are on my phone. So when it's not playing through the radio, I know, hey, you don't have your phone. Um, I have my laptop bag with my laptop and usually a file shoved into it and my tablet and my headphones. And then my if I need files for the day, I try to have those packed in my car from the night before. I have systems for makeup, hair, jewelry, getting my files ready. These are actually all activities where I can have some coffee while I do it. So when I'm um, putting my makeup on, I'm sitting there with coffee. It's a little bit of multitasking, but not really, not multitasking to the, uh, to the point where I can't do it. Um, Also, I read a devotional while I dry my hair. I used to read work things while I uh, dried my hair and, and, and flat ironed it. And I thought, why am I doing this? It's 10 minutes. Why don't I read something that's inspirational and calming? And I know this will sound crazy because it's the start of a busy day. But if I have some time, I throw in a load of laundry or a load of dishes. It only takes a few minutes. And when I get home... It's ready for me, and that feels good. I have my own tip about laundry, because I'll tell you what I used to do. I used to throw in a a load, throw it into the dryer, and while it was drying, I would throw in another load into the wash. What would happen is I wouldn't get back to it, and when I finally did, the clothes were starting to smell a little like mildew, And I still had to get the clothes out of the dryer and get them folded. So I was always behind. So I just do it one at a time. Um, I never have clothes in both the washer and the dryer. It's only the washer. It's only the dryer. And that way it never backs up. And if you take care of it during the week, then you don't have to worry about having this backed up laundry um, during the weekend. So that's why I always try to throw in a load before I leave. Also, quick breakfasts will transform your morning. <clears throat> Some that I like are oatmeal, fruit, toast, a Cliff Bar. Uh, Cliff Bar has a really, really good peanut butter and chocolate. I like to pretend I'm eating a Reese's peanut butter cup, and it is very good. Who what, who can't beat peanut butter and chocolate? It's just the greatest. Um, granola and fruit and yogurt. Um, And sometimes I'll even do like a non-breakfast type item, like maybe a couple of tortellini from the night before or some vegetable soup. 
by the way, I'm not as healthy as I sound. I mean, it sounds like, oh, I'm grabbing these great healthy breakfasts. I'm not doing that a lot. If there's donuts at home or danishes, I'll have that and maybe just cut off a piece of it so I'm not eating too much sugar. That's a big struggle for me. Um, it's, it's very tempting for me to reach for something like that when I'm hungry. A tip that I read that I'll share that I haven't really done is for breakfast is recipes that you can make the night before, like quick oats or casseroles, something like that. That's not my style right now, but maybe someday. Um, I also have my own little restaurant with to-go containers. I have big and little containers. I have Ziploc bags. I have disposable coffee cups. I get a lot of these at Smart and Vinyl. You can get some at the regular grocery store, like especially the to-go coffee cups. But Smart and Vinyl has items that are sold to restaurants. So I like those quite a bit. And also Amazon uh, stocks a lot of these too. My last um, to-go containers that I got, I did get off of Amazon. Another tip for these horrible weeks is have an organized closet and you'll get dressed faster. I try to have my outfit ready. I'm not great about having it laid out, but the night before, I really think about it. And my closet is fairly organized. It's not great, but my suits are together, my dress pants are together, my shoes, my bags, that sort of thing. Um, I have a lot of purses, and I could probably be in a situation where I use one purse and six months goes by and I haven't brought out any of my other bags and my purse would be a mess. And this has happened to me where my purse was just unbelievable. I'm hunting for keys in front of clients. It's embarrassing. Receipts are flying out, that sort of thing. So um, a tip that I have that lets me use all of my purses consistently and keep a clean purse is to switch out my purse every week. So I just make a little list for about three months worth of purses, purses that I want to carry. And then um, every Saturday I'll switch it out. And then I can keep the purse clean. Sometimes I'll find like pieces of popcorn in my purse, balled up receipts are a good one, change. But every week if I'm switching purses and cleaning out my purse, it stays um, fairly organized. And so that's been a really good uh, method for me of being able to use what I have, shopping my closet, and um, using what I love, because these are, you know, bags that I've picked out over time that I really like, and then also keeping a nice clean bag. A tip that I've read, but don't use as much, is a tip is get rid of everything you never wear. I like that tip to a certain extent. I try to shop my closet every once in a while. I'll notice that maybe over a month or two, I'm just wearing the same things over and over again. I'm grabbing the same jeans. I'm grabbing the same yoga pants. I'm wearing the same suit. Uh, I'm wearing the same business casual items on business day, on my meeting days. 
So what do I do? I try to pull out things from the back of the closet occasionally and see if I can still wear it and maybe pair it with something different. If you really, really can't do that and it's not something that you love, and in fact, if it's something that you hate, get rid of it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say, hey, I haven't worn this in a year. I'm going to get rid of it. Decide if you love it. Decide if you can still use it. Decide if it fits. And then that will help you decide if you're going to get rid of it. And I love putting together outfits in a new way or with new shoes. Also, you know, take out shoes that you haven't worn a while and maybe pair them with clothes you haven't worn in a while. I I call it shopping my closet. I think everyone calls it shopping their closet. And it's really fun, right? You're like you're not going out, you're not spending money, but you're putting things together. And there's been times where I've done that and people will say, new outfit looks really nice, you know, because it's not anything they've seen in a long time. When um, my mornings are easier when there's no school, obviously, I think for all Mothers and fathers, when they have children at home, their lives are easier when the kids aren't in school. Maybe not when the kids are littler because they have to have them in camps and things. Um, But when your child hits the sweet spot of 10, 11, 12, it becomes so much easier. My two older daughters are adults and live out of the home, so they're doing their own thing. But my youngest child, Margaret, is 11. And... um, when she's in school, things there's an extra element to the morning. Um, I have to figure out, does she have lunch money, her backpack? Is she walking? Is my husband taking her to school? Am I taking her? So the summers are easier. Um, but when school starts up, you just need to add that into your to-do in the morning. And that's why getting up early can really help you because for me, my child starts school at 8.45, so if I'm up at 5, I have several hours to myself where I'm getting my own stuff done, and then when I need to get her done, her up, I'm pretty much organized, hopefully. Of course, there's always kinks in things, but um, it, it does work pretty well. So that's getting out the door. So what happens with my day, my work day. Um, For scheduling, I schedule my appointments. If it's an appointment day, I do appointments every half hour to one hour apart, and I try to build in a couple of breaks. When there are breaks, I generally find that it's going to, the things that I do are going to have to be smaller. So what I try to do during the breaks on meeting days is gain control of my email inbox, gain control of my phone calls, my calendar, and my physical mail. So something that I do on email is I just take a few minutes to delete items and file items. All of a sudden taking an inbox that might have a few hundred emails into it and paring it down to a few dozen can really help you on your organization. I read a recent statistic that blew my mind. It said that um, Americans spend an average of four point, I'm, five, I'm sorry, 
me start over, spend an average of 5.4 hours checking their email every weekday. That's over 20 hours a week. On a separate podcast, I'm going to give some email specific tips. Um, So I'm not going to talk about email a lot. Um, But I did read an article that was uh, four tips for gaining control of your inbox from Charles Duhigg, D-U-H-I-G-G. He's the author of the book Smarter, Faster, Better. And one trick he had is before you even get to work, set a realistic amount of time to spend on your morning each email check. Then prioritize your inbox so you don't accidentally spend two hours answering low importance emails. Don't waste too much time drafting follow-up emails to unanswered messages. Um, Charles has a tip that says, you're most likely to get a response the first time if you just end your email with the word thanks. I don't know why it works. He says it works. So I've been trying it in my emails and we'll see how it goes. If I can get through my emails, um, emails, mail, phone calls, and just making sure my calendar looks good, I might work on a smaller project like writing a letter in between uh, meetings. That may not work out too well because here's what I feel happens. I might have, say, a 20-minute break. I start writing a letter and then the next person comes in and I feel very discombobulated. Like, okay, now I need to really shut this off and start somewhere else. On the positive side of it is that I've worked on a project for 20 minutes and gotten through 20 minutes of it. I've broken down this project. But switching from one project to going to talk to someone else about totally different does take some effort. If possible, on these days with the crazy scheduling, uh, for instance, um, last Tuesday and this Tuesday, I think I have 10 meetings scheduled each day. And if possible, I try to schedule something that's just for me, maybe going to the chiropractor, a pedicure, a cup of coffee out of the office, breakfast out of the office, even just a 15-minute chat with a coworker. I might also try to do something that gives me something to look forward to. I might look up what movies are being released for the weekend or um, book some travel in a few months, Um, pull a um, magazine out of my bag and just read two or three articles. Um, Or do I have time to stop at the library? Sometimes I'll just do some mini stretches at my desk, you know, throwing my Uh, ankle up onto my opposite ankle up onto my opposite knee and just sort of bending forward or taking some deep deep breaths. Sometimes my break is just going into the bathroom for a minute, you know, if it's too busy. But just try to have something where it's a couple minutes for yourself. And it does help with managing the day. What I try to do, uh, no matter what, when I leave, when I get ready to leave, I'm done with all my meetings, it's very tempting to just 
grab my bag, walk out the door, and drive home. What makes me feel better? Prepping for the next day. I take just a couple minutes, clean up my calendar, um, maybe go through my emails and delete stuff that I can delete really quick or answer something that I can answer within a couple of seconds. Um, Make a quick list of just thoughts that I've had like, hey, I need to follow up with this client on this. They never got back to me. Um, If I haven't gotten through my phone calls and it really is too late in the day to call people back, I'll organize my telephone messages in order of priority to get them ready for the next day. Um, Or I might go through my telephone messages and say, let me email this person just to say, I got your message. It's been crazy. I haven't had a chance to call you. I'll call you tomorrow. Um, And then get any files ready for the next day. And then that way, I can go home and relax a little bit. Another tip during uh, how to handle those days is make sure you eat something. There has been a million times where I'm just plowing through the day and I forget to eat or don't have time to eat and suddenly it's 2 p.m. and I start inhaling everything in sight. We keep a bowl of candy on the front counter for the clients. I'm eating that. I'm eating chips. Um, I have, I need to make sure that I have stuff that I can eat like in a couple of minutes. I do keep frozen meals at the office. They're generally healthy ones, vegetarian ones. Um, so that can take a, two, a few minutes to uh, heat up and eat. And here's a tip about something that I'm bad about. One thing I ask myself almost on a daily basis is why didn't I pack a lunch? This is a tip about something I wish I do, but I don't do it. Maybe a couple times a year I do it, but... I get out the door and then I'll think about it when I get to the office and think you had stuff at home that you could have brought that is delicious and you would like to eat. I might have some leftover soup. I might have some hummus and veggies, salad, or I could make a salad really quick, um, a regular salad or a fruit salad. I cook most nights and have a lot of leftovers usually. Why don't I bring leftovers? I can't figure out why I don't do this. None of this is hard. See, my podcast is for me as well and working my own life through these issues. And so hopefully now that I'm saying it out loud and thinking about it, that I'll pack my leftovers and and have a lunch that's a little bit different than my frozen meals every day or nothing and eating from the candy bowl. Another thing that I recommend during these really busy weeks and these busy days is to exercise. I have two scheduled sessions with a trainer each week. Sounds like not a big deal, right? It's two hours. Um, Based on my trainer schedule, I do group training where I'm usually exercising with anywhere from one to six other women. And every week is a struggle for me. It's two hours, and as the time approaches, um, I am panicked and trying to get out the door. There's a lot of times that I end up being a couple of minutes late. I The good news is I rarely miss my training sessions. I usually have to be out of town 
or literally stuck in court where I can't make it. But if it's a meetings day, I'm in a schedule around it. So sometimes it's in the morning, so I schedule my meetings after it. If it's in the afternoon, I try to end in my schedule not five minutes before I need to be at training because I still need to go home and change, but maybe an hour before I need to be at training because it takes some time to get out the door. And if I have that buffer, I can make it more comfortable for myself. It still means, it still doesn't mean that I'm not late. A lot of times I am late, but usually it's not more than five minutes and, um, and then I just try to get into it um, as soon as possible when I get you know, in, in there with the trainer. And do you know why I make sure I do this exercise? Is it because I love exercise? No, I hate it. It's the two longest hours of the week. But what does it do for me? And what does it do for the people I'm trying to help? Well, for me, it helps my back. I was in a car accident many years ago. Um, I'm also getting older rapidly and my back hurts a lot my knee hurts a lot um, and it strengthens it I, for a while I was getting horrible back spasms where it would um, the biggest uh, way I can explain it is it felt like a spring was undoing in my back just like just knocked me out, knocked the, the breath out of me. With doing the exercise, with doing the weight training, it's been much better. I don't think I've had one of those severe spasms in quite some time. Um, it also helps my headaches. Sometimes I'll actually go in with a headache and then I'll start moving around and it'll feel better. It helps me just generally be stronger. I notice when there's files that I'm carrying, it feels a little easier when I take my weekend walks, I feel less out of breath. Um, I, I feel like my, my asthma hasn't been acting up as much. So yeah, this is what I need to do. I need to do this to stay alive. I need to do it to stay unstressed. I need to do it to stay strong and try to get stronger. So I try to do a minimum of three days, two days with the trainer, one day of walks, and then just as much as possible have active days um, I'm up and around the office quite a bit I usually reach my movement goal on my um, Apple watch each day sometimes I don't but most of the time I get really close so I am getting in a nice amount of steps and um, and hopefully that's helping me all right so on these days we get to five o'clock a big question is, am I working after five o'clock? I sure hope that I'm not. Um, but when I get out of the office and when I get out of court, that'll determine the rest of my day. I'll try to, um, like I said, there's things that I want to do and need to do to make sure that my next day is more productive and, and not as stressful. So I do do the organization that I discussed before. Um, no unopened mail, um, sort anything that comes in, delegate, clean up emails as much as possible, clean up phone calls, clean up my calendar. Those are all musts. 
If I need to work on things, I try to bring things home with maybe work on my laptop or bring home materials to read. Emails is something I can do at home because I can log in from my laptop to my work computer. It's not my desire because if it, if possible, I need to be able to do things in my personal life, including see my husband, talk to my husband, have a um, have dinner with my child, cook for my child, get homework done, laundry, like all this stuff that if it's not done, I'm not living a good personal life. So if I don't have work things that I absolutely have to do, and again, I just try to bring work home at night if it's an absolute necessity. Otherwise, I need to clear my mind from the work stuff. So besides for like kind of the evening chores that I talked about, I also try to do something for myself. Read magazines or read the book that I'm reading or the books that I'm reading. Um, I do a lot of online shopping. I thought I would never do online shopping because I really like going to the mall. Um, To a certain extent, I liked going to the grocery store and seeing what was new. I do my click list shopping for my groceries and for most of my clothes now, I do get them online. And what's great about it is that I have a few websites that I really like, Macy's, White House Black Market, um, H&M a little bit. Um, let me think what else. A little bit Neiman Marcus. They can actually have some really good sales. Nordstrom's. I think all of those websites have free returns. So here's something great you can do. You can buy things. You can try them on. You can try them on with your own accessories. If they don't work, you can just ship them back. No problem. I also had an issue with stores was that, and I don't know if it's, if it's me or if it's the stores themselves. I felt like as I was going to stores, they just were too, a lot of times like unorganized and messy and the dressing rooms were smelly and dirty And there were always, the dressing rooms were always hot. So if you were trying stuff on, it just was uncomfortable. The lighting at the dressing rooms isn't great. And you're just like, oh, this just looks terrible. Um, But trying the stuff on at home with your own mirrors and your own accessories has just really been good for me and allowed me to do some shopping um, where I might not be able to do it anymore just because of, um, of timing. Um, For evenings, I recommend cooking at home. For a long time, I ate out several times per month, maybe even several times per week. And I thought this was saving me time and making me more relaxed because I was out doing this and, and getting waited on. But it really wasn't when I looked at the amount of time that I was actually at the restaurant. So you drive to the restaurant you sit at the restaurant. If it's slow service that night, you could be there over an hour. And then by the time you get home, you're like, okay, that's two or three hours 
where I could have been home, had a quick meal, and then had some time to myself. I am not a gourmet cook. I make really simple meals. Um, I repeat a lot of meals. I do a lot of salads with the meals um, because that just seems to freshen it up some. Um, a really time-consuming part of meal prep for me was the trip to the grocery store. So for me, like I've said in prior shows and this one, is I do the click list through fries. So I do my shopping. I pick it up once a week. If I need stuff during the week, I actually do a mini click list order. But I'm pretty good about figuring out what I need for the whole week. There's also grocery delivery services such as Amazon Fresh or Peapod, which offers delivery and lets you pick up the order. Um Fry's has this now, Safeway has it now, Walmart has it now. Those are the stores that are closest to me. So check with your local grocery store and see what it has, but then otherwise there's other services. There's also the meal prep services. I used HelloFresh for um, a couple of months. I liked it. The meals were delicious, but I started to feel like the kits were um, backing up a little bit. It was easy in the sense you didn't have to cut and measure anything, but also the meal seemed to take a little bit more time than I was used to. Um, so it did feel like there was a lot of just time cooking and watching the meals. And sometimes it would be like, there'd be like a quinoa that you would be preparing and then a vegetable stir fry too. So there might be like two or three different things that you were preparing that required some work. I was at the mall the other day. I went to Arizona Mills and there was a uh, HelloFresh representative and he said HelloFresh had revamped their program to make it easier and not as time consuming and they took complaints from people who were using the meal delivery service and uh, they made some changes. I might try it again. I'll see if I do. I'll talk about it on one of the shows. All right. So for me, I try to master the 15-minute meal. Um, like I said, quick salads. Um, I do, for me, I'm vegetarian. So there's a lot of um, vegetarian entrees that I can buy in the frozen foods department that are pretty quick. Uh, Gardein is a great brand where they have uh, vegan chicken strips and vegan meatloaf and um, unbreaded, I don't, I'm like calling them chicken, they're not really chicken, they're this Gardein. They're, it's really delicious if you want to try it. And also at the Yard House restaurant, they have a lot of dishes that they make using Gardein, and they're really good. Um, and it's pretty quick. I can either put it on my, I have a pizza pizzazz, which my brother introduced me to. You put a pizza on it, and you just set the timer, and it rotates the pizza. Um, it's just an appliance you put on your counter. I think it's like 20 or $30. It's just not that much. But I use it not only for frozen pizzas, but also for... Um, uh, chicken strips and um, 
Oh, Gardein also has like mini crab cakes and these uh, fish fillets, which I think are really good. Maybe other people won't like them, but I like them. And um, it cooks them fast. I don't have to turn the oven on during the summer. It's it's real nice. It's quicker and better for me to do this than it is to get takeout or call for takeout or, or pick something up. So there's a lot of quick meals that I do, a lot of pastas, chili. Sometimes we do sandwiches for dinner, um, breakfast for dinner we like, pancakes and a tofu scramble. Veggie burgers are a big one. So having a meal that's pretty quick, relatively healthy, works for me. Makes my evening go a lot better. Um, I am not great at housework. I have um, someone who comes in and helps me with the major cleaning every couple of months. My husband's pretty good at cleaning. Like he'll, you know, mop the kitchen and that sort of thing. Um, but I try to do things that just make my life better. Um, so try to keep on top of the laundry, keep on top of the dishes. I like the kitchen counters to be clean and just straightening up. Now that my daughter's older, a lot of times I enlist her help on the straightening up. She, we live in a two-story, so she can grab things and take them with her, take them upstairs. I'm finding that a lot of the stuff that ends up being clutter is, is usually her things, her backpack, her shoes, that sort of thing. But if, um, if you tell her to straighten up, she takes five minutes and she does it. It's great. And all of a sudden, the house feels uh, so much airier and brighter and better. I know I talked about getting uh, up early, getting to bed early, just as important in getting you through these days. Try to unwind, try to do some reading, maybe a bath, a little television. I try to keep the television light. I just finished binging the Mindy Project on Hulu. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a perfect show for relaxing at night. Um, maybe when you're watching TV, it's not the time to do a Breaking Bad marathon. I love Breaking Bad. I love you, Walter White, but you keep me up at night and you give me nightmares sometimes. So um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to maybe watch a comedy um, and and just go to bed and, and get sleep. So remember how important sleep is. You got to make sure you get it. It makes the next day when you get up at five so much better. Also regarding sleep, I'm not a Nazi about getting up early. Um, it's not like I have to get up early every day and this is it. If there's a morning where I see every once in a while this happens and it feels like a vacation day, where nothing gets scheduled or something gets canceled and maybe I only have one or two things um, or court gets canceled and suddenly the day is free. When that happens, it feels amazing. If the next day comes and I've had that day where I got up at five and I worked late, maybe I'm going to set my alarm for something more like 6.30 or 6.45, even seven sometimes, even though usually naturally I wake up by about 6.30. Um, but then say to myself, I'm not going to sleep later than 7. If I get up naturally at 6.30, that's fine. But I don't have to get up at 5 every day and, and rush out the door. So take that time 
to sleep in when you have the ability to do it. All right, so those are my tips for the very, very bad, terrible, horrible days. Let me check how I'm doing on time. I feel like I've been talking a while. All right, I have been talking 40 minutes. My goal really in these podcasts was to keep the um, podcast to about 30 to 45 minutes. I think I've been longer on most of them, so I'm sorry. I know everyone's really busy. Uh, The good news is with a podcast, though, you can fast forward through it. You can turn it off early after you get what you want from it, whatever you need. That's why I'm a big fan of podcasts. All right. I want to talk about, to end the show, I want to talk about a couple book-related matters. A website that I wanted to give everyone a tip off is called BookBub. It's the word book and then B-U-B. If you go to this website, it's a free service that helps you discover books you love through these really great deals. It's also recommendations on books and updates from your favorite authors. It doesn't sell books, but it gives you tips when books that you will love are available from online retail on online retailers so like for your kindle or your nook or apple ibooks i think there's some other ones that they use too but i think those are the big one google i'm not sure how you read on google maybe it's just like a um, an ebook um, but those are the big ones and you can they'll send you an email every day with these books that are for sale for anywhere from zero like no money at all to 99 cents. A lot of books are 99 cents, $1.99, sometimes $2.99. I think maybe $2.99 or $3.99 was the most expensive I've seen these books. But they're originally, you know, $10, $11, $12. And you can get them for a couple dollars. Um, on their website, they show, for instance, at one point, The Other Bowling Girl was selling for $1.99, and Pray by Michael Crichton was selling for $0.99. Cents. And I've been getting the emails every day for a couple of weeks now, and there's just great books for basically no money. So I recommend everyone going to that. Um, a book that I would recommend, something that I read and really enjoyed is a book called I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. Michelle McNamara is the was the wife of Patton Oswalt. She died tragically when she was 46. I believe she just died in her sleep, like went to sleep one day and didn't wake up. I don't think she was having any health problems. Her and Patton Oswalt have a young daughter named Alice. And Michelle was obsessed with a serial killer, serial killer and rapist that she called the Golden State Killer. Uh, It was a, he was a serial killer and a rapist out of California. And he didn't really have a, um, he, he was uncaught, unsolved murders and rapes from the 70s and 80s. Um, This person stopped doing their crimes in the 80s and Michelle and many others, um, including the detectives who worked on the case, were 
obsessed with trying to find this person. I mean, the crimes were heinous. The victims um, who survived were left in just horrible states of devastation. And then, of course, there were people who were murdered and lost their lives. And this guy was uncaught. And they had no real leads. There were tens of thousands of calls that came in where people reported tips and there was all sorts of theories that the officers had and other people who were just obsessed with the case had. And what Michelle did was she went place to place, police station to police station, talked to the detectives, gathered information, read transcripts, read interviews, and she did an article and then she was putting together information for a book and that's when she passed away. The book is so sad to read because there's a few chapters where she's just, I don't know if it was a journal or if it was just part of the book um, that she was going to put it actually wanted to be in the book but there are chapters where she talks about her own personal life her life with her husband and her child and how this obsession with the golden state killer and again michelle came up with this title there wasn't this title for him and she came up with it and now he's sort of commonly called this and how she um was dealing with it like on an everyday life and her travel when she went around to research for her book. And it's very sad because you're hearing from a woman who no longer exists on this earth and um, just hearing about her kind of her everyday struggles as a mom and someone who's working and, and, and trying to write this book. Um, one thing the Golden State Killer left behind or I guess many things, many times he left behind, was DNA. When he started this cri- these crimes, DNA did not exist. And they have all this evidence of, I think it was like saliva and, of course, semen, not to be graphic, but um, all this evidence that he had left behind. No DNA in the 70s and 80s. or Probably at the end of his crimes, it was just starting to, um, you know, be used. Um, and he, um, you know, hurt his victims. And this was there and was in evidence. And so for many years, they've been doing DNA comparisons with people who were in jail who committed similar crimes or who had weird patterns that could this person be this person. Another very fascinating thing about Michelle's book is she talks about all these people who really seemed like they could have been the Golden State Killer, like so many similarities, and they weren't. I don't want to spoil too much, but someone now has been arrested as the Golden State Killer. I believe he was arrested in April of this year. Michelle's book came out, I believe, in January of this year. So before this man was ever caught, she has insight of her of her own um, analysis of the case and with her the analysis of detectives on what the profile of the Golden State Killer could have been. 
and it's pretty uh, chilling that the insight on what the killer could have been and the person who was actually caught, how they match up. Um, I, I knew that he had been caught when I started reading the, in this book, and I wasn't sure if the book would address it in an afterword, because her husband did write an afterword, and I didn't know if he was addressing it. No, this guy, the actual guy, is never addressed in the book. And I held off reading the articles about the actual person who was caught. So after I finished the book, I read the articles. I recommend doing the same thing. If you read the book, then go online and just Google and see the uh, information that's out there about the person who's been caught. They're awaiting trial. It's still very early in the case, obviously. I mean, if you have a murder that occurred, uh, murders that occurred 40 years ago, um, it's going to take a while for this case to get to trial. But the person, the accused, who they say his DNA matches up to the samples, um, his profile is very close to what you'll see the uh, what the officers were kind of suspecting and what Michelle was suspecting this person could have been. So I recommend that book. Uh, obviously not light reading, but fascinating. And um, go out and check it out from the library or buy it. Maybe it'll show up on BookBub soon and you can get it for a deal. All right. Thanks for listening to another week of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I hope you'll join me next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.